just kind of the Bible study before the, it's kind of the snack before the meal. You ever got there and snacked and snacked, and then you say, well, I'm not really hungry, but that meal looks good. Well, I hope that's not going to happen this morning because Brother Dornbach will want to talk to me. <laughs> but 1 Samuel chapter number 22, we're going to read from starting from verse number 1. It says, David therefore departed thence and escaped the cave of Adullam. And when his brethren and all his father's house heard it, they went down thither to him. And everyone that was in distress and everyone that was in debt and everyone that was discontented gathered themselves unto him. And he became a captain over them. And there were with him about 400 men. Going to verse number 5. And the prophet Gad said unto David, Abide not in the hold, depart, and get thee into the land of Judah. And David departed and came to the forest of Hereth. Now what you're looking at here, the background here is David was running from Saul. Saul hated him because he knew that David had been anointed to become king. And when he was younger, David would sing for Saul, and it would drive back the spirits. But now Saul realized, this is the one who's going to take my place. And he was trying to kill David. He threw javelins at him and everything else, trying to kill him. But David was running. And David went into this cave. And these men found out he was in the cave, and everyone that was discontented, everyone that was distraught, everyone that was in debt started to join him. <coughs> it's kind of like the church. Those who are discontented, those who are distraught, those who are in debt, they need something, some help. They come running to the church. And the church is like the cave, but when they got into the cave, they found that there was a whole bunch of them gathered around the same way. And the people say, I don't want to go to a church because there's a bunch of hypocrites. Well, that's because they're just like you. And you don't like someone that's just like you. You ever notice that? You can't marry someone just like you. You will kill each other. It doesn't work. You've got to marry someone who encourages your strengths and helps your weaknesses. Because if you marry someone just like you, you just will not get along. I'm glad my wife's not like me. She's pretty and I'm ugly. But the name Adalim, you look it up, which I did, and it means a place of uncertainty. Or a place of refuge. We are in refuge church. A place that people can come who are discontented. Who are in debt. Who are disoriented. Who are discouraged. And they don't know what to do with their life. And we hope they can come here and find a place. That they can find Jesus and find the answers to every one of their needs. We hope they come here they find hope. And they find strength. And they find friends. Someone who will put their arm around them and say let me help lift you up and not put you down. I've been there before. I know what you're going through. Let me help you through it. Sometimes we get too proud to admit we've been there. When you get that way, like my dad used to say, you become so spiritual you're no earthly good. But every one of us at times need a helping hand. We need someone who will reach out, put their arm around us and say, come on, you can make it. It's like the little girl, she was in her room sleeping and it started to thunder and it started to rain and it started to storm. And she hollered, Daddy, I need you, Daddy, I need you, Daddy, I need you. Daddy come running and he said, what's wrong? She said, I'm scared. 
He said, well, don't you know Jesus is with you? She said, I know that, but I need someone with skin on to hug me. Sometimes we just need someone with skin on to hug us. When we come to church, we need someone with skin on to put their arm around us and say, it's going to be all right. Everything's okay. God is with you, but I'm here with you too. You know, we, can see, we can't see God, but when we see someone with us, it gives us strength. You ever been around them boys that they get together in their gang and they're all real tough in the gang? But when you get them by themselves, they're crying wimps. I've been around them. They'd get together and they'd think they could whip anything. You come to find out if you go at them, they all will split and run. They don't actually hold together that good. But everyone in that cave was in distress. Everyone was in debt. Everyone was in discontented. It's kind of like Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter number 1, verse number 26. He said, For you see your calling, brethren, now that many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty men, not many are noble, are called. But God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise, and God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things that are mighty. And the base things of the world and things that are despised hath God chosen, yea, and things which are not to bring to naught things that are, that no flesh should glory in his presence. There's not a one of us that have reason to say I'm good because there is none good but God. There's not a one of us that has reason to look down our nose at somebody else regardless of how, far, how hard or how far they fall because we've done it and nobody known it. I heard something the other day, something happened to someone. And I said to them, I said, why are you talking about this? Well, well, I, I said, yeah, I've known of you doing worse than this. Why are you telling me about this? Why are you wanting somebody else to know this? Why don't we just stop when someone has a problem and instead of talking about them, talk to God about them? There's no saying I used to tell everybody, so you can talk about me anytime you want, just please do it on your knees. You talk to me about God as much as you want and as often as you want. I don't mind. Then I'd tell them, and as long as you're talking to someone else, at least there's one good thing. You're giving somebody else a break. But we get distressed and we get discouraged and we don't want to talk about the real problem. We get a headache, we take an aspirin, we take a Tylenol. But the real problem is the Tylenol and the aspirin is not going to cure. The real problem is probably a nerve or it's some unfinished business that you don't want to deal with. Things like that. I remember one time I got ulcers and the pastor come in to pray for me and he said, you know, the problem is you got too much unfinished business. That's what's causing all the ulcers. He was right. There was things I'd left behind and I thought I could just bury that I didn't want to deal with, but I had to go back and deal with them. And when I dealt with them, the devil had told me how terrible it was going to be. But when I got there and dealt with them, it was nothing. But when you begin to look at the mighty men surrounding David, you begin to see men like Joshab. Joshab, he went out and he fought against 800 men. And he killed 800 men in one encounter. That man could fight. Then you see another one named Eleazar. Him and David, they went and taunted the Philistines and 
said, come on, you bunch of sissies and all kinds of things, I suppose. And then they wanted to fight. All the army of Israel started running away. Eleazar, he stood and he fought. They said he fought so much that his hand would not even come off his sword no more. But he had a great victory that day, and the Lord did a mighty work. Then you see Shammah. And when the Philistines banded together and wanted to take over the lands of the Israelites, they wanted to take the lintels, the hill of beans. Shammah stood there, and he fought for it. And he ran the Philistines off. Sometimes there's things that you see in the Bible and in the church that you think they don't really matter. Like Brother Dornbach says, he hates the thought when someone says, is that a matter of heaven or hell? It doesn't matter. It's a matter of are you going to live through it or not. And sometimes there's things that we have to fight for that others may seem to look at as a hill of beans. But to us, there are sustenance. To them, that field of lentils, that hill of beans, was what was going to keep them through the winter. It was what was going to feed them when there wasn't nothing to eat. It was with their protein. It was going to give them strength to carry on. And a lot of these things you see in the Word of God and a lot of the things that God wants us to live with, our holiness, are things that are going to keep us in the hard times. The things that are going to keep us through the winter months when things get cold and there seems not a lot to eat, but then we can turn to these things and say, I can hold on to this. This will give me strength. This will give me hope. This will help me through it. And he fought for that. He was one of the 400 mighty men. These men, these 400 men that David had, they started out kind of like if you see in the old movie, The Dirty Dozen. They were just a bunch of misfits. But all at once they got together. And they went into the cave together. Each man had to make his own choice. Each, the biggest choice they had to make was, I've got to lay down the past. I, the past is not going to get me anywhere. Your past is not going to help you. The only thing in your past that will help you is your education. If you can remember it. My problem is I don't remember half of mine. Because if you don't lose, if you don't use something a lot, you lose it. When it's in your brain, it's there. And I see something and it brings up, and I can remember all the electronics and all the transistors and opening the gates on the different transistors and the PNP and the NPP and all the different things of electronics. I can remember it all. But I can't open up your computer anymore and tell you which one's which. I've been, around, I've been away from it for 37 years. And, but I had the education in it at one time. I went to school and I got a degree in it. But I didn't like it. So I went and got another degree. And became a civil engineer instead. But I remember this stuff. And there's things in your past that you remember because you want to take them out and play with them too much. I do the same thing as the reason I know this. Sometimes we stop and we look back at our past and say, God, can you really forgive me of this? God has forgiven you. And he wants you to put it down because it's time for the distressed to move on to freedom. Distress just means you have somebody oppressing you. It means you've been oppressed by an enemy. You've been hounded. And it's time for you to say, devil, I'm tired of you hounding me. I'm tired of being oppressed. The prophet told David, you get out of there. 
It's time to come out of the cave. It's time to stop being with all the depressed people and come out and go into Judah and find your place of place of praise. I realize you've been pushed around. I realize you've been kicked around. I realize you've been knocked down. But it's time to step out and say, I'm going to praise him. I'm going to come through this. I'm going to have my victory. To me, it doesn't sound like a hard choice to have victory over our oppression. It doesn't sound like a hard choice to have victory over our being despised, our being in debt. You ever paid off something and able to just throw it away and say, I'm done. I don't have to pay for it no more. I knew some people one time, they bought a new car. Before they got insurance, they wrecked the new car. And she had a thing, I seen the envelope, and on the envelope it said dead horse. And she was paying the payment on the dead horse every month. It's kind of like when you have a debt that there's nothing there, when you won't hand it over to God and say, I just, I'll hand you all this, God, but this year is just too much. This year, I, this year what I've done is, it's just too bad for you even. But you got to stop and say, no. God looked at the murderer on the cross next to him, and he said, this day you will be with me in paradise. I forgive the worst thing that you can do. I forgive everything you can do. If you remain idle... You're going to go back to your old ways. you got to move forward and leave them behind. you got to say, okay, I've been in the cave long enough. I came here indebted. I came here distressed. I came here discontented. I came here in debt, but I'm walking out of here a free man. My debt's at the altar. My discontentment's at the altar. My indebtedness at the altar. I am not going to pick it up and take it with me. I choose to live for Jesus. I choose to be happy. This is the day the Lord hath made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. I've made up my mind. These men came together to find a future. They they came together and they found hope. But the biggest thing, they found a cause for fighting for. They found a destiny together. Sounds like the church, don't it? You come to the church, you find a cause worth fighting for. You find a destiny together. One day, I'm going where Jesus lives. One day I'm going to see him face to face. You'll find some people that they'll move from church to church just because they're discontented. They say, well, I'm going to a different church. There's too many hypocrites in that church. Every time I hear them say that, I look at them and I say, well, please don't do that. They say, why? And I say, because when you go to that church, there's going to be too many hypocrites in that one because you're going to be there with them. Every time people move because of a problem, they don't realize that they're taking the problem with them themselves. We are our biggest problem. You can point your finger at yourself in the mirror every morning and you can say, you are my biggest enemy. You are my worst friend. There's an old saying that says this, you get beside yourself, you're in the worst company you've ever been in in your life. But David wrote in Psalms chapter number 34 when he was there in the cave and he said, the poor man cried out and the Lord heard him. And saved him out of all his troubles. And the angel of the Lord encamps about those who fear him. And he delivers them. You can stand up today and you can say, you know what? This near is almost gone. But I'm going to put it behind me and I'm going on forward. All the discontentment I've faced. All the things that have got me down to oppress me that I've faced. I'm about to put them down. I'm going forward. I'm coming out of my cave. I'm going to begin to praise him. 
I'm going to begin to worship him right now. I'm not going to wait for it to go on any longer. I'm tired of fighting with it. I'm tired of dealing with it. There's too many times we like our problem is the reason we don't lay them down. You like to talk about it? There was a man at my house the other day. He started talking about his past. And I said, your biggest problem is you want to talk about your past. Why don't you talk about your present? Why do you want to tell me all the things you did so bad? Why don't you tell me about all the things God has done for you now that's changed your life, that he's got you into church, that he's put all that behind you? Why do you want to talk about all the junk? You get a bunch of millionaires together, I guarantee they don't tell you about their debt. They're telling you about how they're making money because that's what's on their mind. But like I said, the thirst of man is never met. So you got Warren Buffett who's out there He's got more money he knows what to do with, still trying to make more. Bill Gates is out there, more money he knows what to do with, still trying to make more. Because the thirst is never satisfied. The earth can have all the water it wants. It can have all the floods it wants, just like the Bible says, it's never satisfied. You can water it again as soon as it dries up, and you'll drink it up one more time. Israel ended up in a hold. They ended up in Egypt. They were beaten down. Then God anointed a leader to go and bring Israel's spirits up. But one thing about Israel, it wasn't ready to move on yet. So what did God do? He hardened Pharaoh's heart that he could show Israel his power through the plagues. Darkness came upon the earth, but when you went into Goshen, Goshen was light. The children of God still had light when Goshen was dark. When all the plagues come, Israel didn't have to deal with them. Even right down to the Passover, God made a way. And God has made a way for you in this world and in this land. You can go through and you can say, oh, the problems are hitting me hard. The pressures are coming down on me. But when you'll stop and say, I've got a God who knows all. I'm going to step within his boundaries. I'm going to live within his boundaries. And he will take care of me. When there's darkness all around you, God will shine a light upon you. God will take care of you. I was there at one time when we were going to pour some concrete for the church. And it was supposed to snow. And everybody called and said, well, you don't think we can pour the concrete? I said, no, we're going to pour the concrete. It's going to be okay for us. Well, it's supposed to snow. I said, it'll be okay for us. And when the morning came to pour the concrete, we went there. And there was snow all around us except where we were going to pour the concrete. There was no snow around, snow around the concrete. We poured the concrete, no problem. God will take care of you. When the situation looks like it's, not going, to be, it's going to be bleak and nothing's going to happen, God will take care of you. You cannot worry about it. You can step out of your cave and you can lift your hands and say, I don't need the protection of the cave any longer because I got the protection of Jesus around me. I can step out of it with strength. I can come forth because I will get up. I will get out. I will get into the presence of God. We got to get up from our mourning and groaning. We got to get out of the cave and we got to get into praise and into worship in the presence of God. Into worship in a God who will take care of you. It's not a meeting we should attend. It's not a club we join when you come into a church. It's an army that we join together and we weld together to stand strong. And we can stand shoulder to shoulder in every circumstance of life protecting Encouraging, supporting one another. Our Judah. 
Just like David was supposed to go into Judah, it's our place of praise. That's what Judah means, praise. Acts 12, verse 7 says this, And the, behold, the angel of the Lord came upon him. The light shined in the prison, and he smote Peter on the side and raised him up, saying, Arise up quickly. And his chains fell off from his hands. And the angel said unto him, Gird thyself, and bind up on thy sandals. And he did. And he said unto him, Cast thy garment about thee, and follow me. He went out and followed him, and wished not that it was true, which was done by the angel, but thought he saw a vision. And when they were past the first and the second ward, they came into the iron gate that leadeth into the city, which opened to them of his own accord, and they went out, and passed on through the street, and forthwith the angel departed from him. And David was coming to himself, and he said, Now I know of a surety that the Lord hath sent his angel, and hath delivered me out of the hand of Herod, and from the expectation of the people of the Jews. And when he had considered the thing, he came to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose surname was Mark. There they were gathered together praying. Peter had just gotten out of prison and God had taken him out. He thought he was just having a vision, but he had been delivered. And I want you to understand something. You may be going through something, but a few weeks ago we picked names here. And each one of us started praying for somebody. There's someone praying for you, and you can begin to say, I'm coming out of my prison. I'm coming out of my hold. I'm about to go forth. If the musicians would come this morning, why don't you just stand to your feet right now, and why don't we just make up our mind, this is the day I'm going to come out of it. This is the day I will rejoice. This is the day I will be glad in it. This is the day I will see my miracle. This is the day that I'm going to go forth and come out of distress. I'm no longer going to allow the devil to pound on me. I'm no longer going to allow myself to be oppressed because I am going to serve the Lord. I'm going to come out of the tomb. I'm not going to be held there anymore. Death is no longer going to hold me. I have life through Christ Jesus. He is my strength. He is my hope. He is my help. And I love him. Come on, worship him this morning, would you?